0: reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey there. We at Blue Wire just wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this podcast. We know everything outside is pretty scary and uncertain, but we're committed to helping you get through your day by talking about the sports and teams that you love most. If you're looking for more great podcasts to distract you, Check out BlueWirePods.com. Thanks for listening, enjoy the podcast, and stay safe. Blue Wire.
1: Think about it's fires to the end zone, touchdown! Alabama wins! Elliot dodges the eye of this national championship win.
2: A deep throw by
1: Lawrence, a lot of contact, Justin Ross broke free from it, he's down in the end zone, touchdown Clemson.
2: Welcome into episode 73 of Press Pass, brought to you by betonline.ag. I'm Kayla Anderson, alongside my co-host Joshua Perry. We are entering another week of self-isolation, no really going out in the world. So how has it been this week? I know I'm starting to get pretty antsy when it comes to um, being inside my house. (laughs) I barely am getting outside, so.
1: Uh, I'm starting to go crazy. Like, I really enjoy uh, taking afternoon walks. Like, that is one of the highlights of my day. There's only so much sitting around you can do. Like, I've probably sat in every spot in my condo. Um, I, I ran through... Like every season of Master Chef that was on Hulu, like seasons one through 10, like that's how bored I am right now. So sooner rather than later, if people do everything they need to do and we can make some medical advancements and figure this thing out, I think it would be great to get back out there. But I'm also all for safety. So if I got to be in here for the long run, I'm here.
2: Yeah. And that's kind of what we're going to touch on in this first segment. So we all heard what Mike Gundy said Um I think it was last week, pretty much being insensitive to the fact that this thing, you know, it's not going to just go away overnight and it's not going to follow the exact timelines of all these sports because we've already seen that it has postponed so many things. But now that we're getting closer to college football, of course, um, when it comes to just preparing for college football, um, Gundy was kind of like, well, you know, we can kick this thing in the butt. It's just like the flu. If someone gets it, we'll just quarantine them. And it's like, bro, we've been going through this for the past month, over month, and we all know that's not how this thing works. So for him to come out and say that just made him look dumb. But he did come back with um, an apology. Now, I'm going to read it because I don't really think it's sincere by any means. I think that he just had to say something because he was getting so much crap for it. On social media, so he said, "quote I have been made aware that comments from my press conference have offended some," Gundy said in a prepared statement on Saturday. Uh, It was my intention to offend; it was never my intention, I should say, to offend anyone, and I apologize. My first priority is and will be the student athletes and doing what is best for the program and the university. The problem with this statement that I see that sticks out to me is I have been a Made aware of my comments. Okay, right. well, you probably should have not ever even said those comments. So I'm glad that somebody told you that that probably wasn't the right thing to do. I mean, it just it the apology just makes him sound even more stupid. If you ask me,
1: the I've been made aware is a huge issue. Um, anytime anybody's issuing an apology, because you're admitting to your lack of awareness and you're admitting to the fact that you you know you can't think uh, from a, a different perspective. Uh, which is all bad in and of itself. I think anybody at this point who is making light of the virus um, in terms of you know getting back to things too early without the advice of top uh, medical authorities and you know government officials and people who probably know a little bit more than we do, um, it's just ignorant and it's it's getting old. The one of the bigger issues I had with what he had to say was I think just his blatant disregard for student athlete health to begin with. And it was in relation to money because one, like his comment basically said like, May 1st, I'm hoping to get these kids back on campus so we can start making money again, essentially. So in his mind, it's more important to risk not only his life but the lives of these student athletes on campus to make money, that's a bad deal. And I think it also, and I bring this up any chance I get, but it shows the imbalance in college football and it shows how student athletes are really just pawns where, you know, everybody was for the longest time. Well, you know, the student athletes wouldn't be anything without the brands and you can put anybody out on the field and people would watch the games. And I would be curious to see how that would go this fall, because, you know, if you had some of the top student athletes who weren't in the games, obviously people wouldn't be as excited to watch them. Um, If you have no student athletes available to play, nobody's making money. So it's not really about the brands. It's not really about, you know, anything else. It's about getting the players out there and it's about the money at the end of the day. So um, I was really disappointed just from that regard. Uh, And I know a lot of athletic departments, a lot of coaches are probably feeling that way and would never say it out loud. But it's just a shame that um, we're at this point and and people still won't acknowledge um, how the system truly works for student athletes and coaches.
2: And you know what's weird? Because when you heard about Gundy's rant back when he was 40, we all know that famous rant, he was clearly like going way out on a limb to stand up for one of his players, which I don't even know if if that article wrote was, you know, intentionally trying to just stab at this player. But he like went out on a limb, did that whole thing to like protect his player but yet he's going to just go and let a hundred guys go out on the field and not know what they're getting into. I thought that was so interesting um, too. Like he pretty much was just being a hypocrite, you know?
1: Yeah. It's uh, I I think we're starting to see some true colors from some of these college football coaches right now. Um, The combination of like being out of their routine and having a lot of time on their hands. And then the other just unknown factor, but like, I keep saying it. Ryan Day, Ed Orgeron, got a lot of respect for them. They've been doing their little PSAs. You know, yep. they've been trying to, you know, uh, Ryan Day donated a ton of money in conjunction with Ohio State basketball and Chris Holtman to the Mid Ohio Food Bank, like doing great things. And then you've got, yeah. you know, Gundy out here who's being problematic and Dabo, who we talked about last week, just jet setting all across the South, like. I think right now you can, and, and parents of recruits should also take notice of these things too. But you Good can, point. you can absolutely understand what these guys are made of right now.
2: Yeah, no, that's a great point, Joshua. Well, we were talking about the safety of players. Uh, there was a poll put out by um, ESPN that was done by Seton Hall, and it it only, I guess, polled about seven hundred or so people, but from all over. Um, And this poll was pretty much asking that if there is not a vaccine come college football season, if the fans would still attend games and um, majority of them said, no, we would not attend a game unless there was a vaccine. So we actually did two separate polls um, here, News 2, in uh, obviously we're in Nashville, so we're in the South. And the one poll on Twitter got over, I think, eighteen hundred votes, and I think it was pretty close. But the I think like fifty-two percent said that they would not attend um, games without a vaccine, and then um, the rest said that they would. And then we did one on Facebook, and it had over like nine thousand votes, and. At first, it was looking like most people were saying, no, we would not. But by the end of the weekend, um, it was like 52% said they would and the rest said that they wouldn't. So my point is, is it seems to be a mixed review on what people feel safe about if there is a way to come back. And I don't know if that's going to happen because, you know, we're talking about players' safety. There's no way they're letting fans in if they can't figure out. The player situation um, is that interesting to you, or do you think that's just because people are still so uncertain of you know where this thing's going to be in September?
1: Yeah, um, and I it's it's really unique too because I, I think part of it's positivity for like the half of the people that say that they would still go to a game, like they're just positive that this thing is going to you know be under yeah. control and eradicated, and that you know football season is you know, some magical time of year where, you know, their worries aren't existent anymore. To me, I would be apprehensive to be in a place like Ohio stadium, for example, where you're sitting there ass cheek to ass cheek. And it's just a ton of people, a hundred thousand people in there, uh, fan wise. that's not even counting, you know, folks working in the whole deal. It's a lot of people. Right. And we all know too, that flus come back around. So, this time of year, typically it's not even um, high risk to catch a a, a normal flu. But once the weather turns in the fall and into the winter, that's when you become at risk again. I know a lot of people tell you in October, you should start thinking about getting your flu shot. Well, if we don't have a vaccination for this, you know, it'd be the same sort of risk that it would pop up and and start to ramp up again. Um, I'm not a doctor, so don't take any of this as medical advice. But I, I think that Football fans are are really optimistic, though, just in general. Of number one, getting back to a normal reality, but number two, like everybody wants to watch football. It's it's the most popular thing we have here, um, and so I, I just think that a lot of the folks who say that they would go out there are saying that almost to like will it into existence and not jeopardize their season.
2: Yeah, and I also thought though, you know, I don't know if people know this, but doing a vaccine is it takes a bit, right? Yes. So. You're not going to get a vaccine in two months. I mean, that's just not how it happens. So you also have to realize, well, I think people also think, oh, there'll be a vaccine, you know, coming soon. I don't think it'll be but six, seven months for an actual vaccine. I mean, they might have this thing under control for the most part, but you're not going to be guaranteed that you're not going to get it. You don't have immunity, right? Right. So, you know, that's something to take into account. Speaking of the safety of players and, um, fans. I thought it was interesting because athletic director for Ohio state, Gene Smith, um, he came out this week and I was really impressed with the comments that he made regarding, um, bringing up the, the fact of, okay, we're talking about fans not being there, but we're, we're not really thinking twice about the player safety and we're pretty much saying, okay, we're going to bring these players in and, you know, they're going to play. And they'll just play in front of empty stadiums. But he brought up so many points of, you know, you've got over like 100 guys. They're in the locker room. It's, it's really hard to, to keep social distancing in play with college football. I mean, it is what it is, right? And so he just brought up that point And I just thought it was it was great to hear it from him because you're talking about one of the most powerful um, teams in college football in terms of bringing in money in terms of popularity, the name, just everything that goes with the tradition and um, what they do on Saturdays in terms of that stadium and bringing in money for the area. And so I just thought it was great that he came out as a power figure and finally said something that made sense.
1: Yeah. And I I was very disappointed in a lot of um, fans suggesting that it would be acceptable to have student athletes on campus and playing games without fans. Um, and and here's why. You can mitigate the risk by putting, say, 100 guys together instead of having the whole thing going, right? I, I understand yeah. that 100%. Going back to what I said last week, I think you're adding fuel to the fire for the conversation about, you know, paying student athletes because now at this point, you're you're basically acknowledging that they're a part of a central, an essential business. And this would be assuming that uh, the regular typical student body isn't on campus too, um, because if, if they feel like they can bring everybody back on campus and they feel like they can fill the stadium. right? So in saying that the actual campus, like education is not essential on campus, but sports are like that is creating a unique precedent, but here's the other thing, right? Just talking about the virus in and of itself, you can absolutely quarantine a hundred guys and say that the only contact that they're going to have is with each other. I think you can do that. But then you add coaches into the mix. So now it's not just the coaches, but it's the coaches, children, it's the coaches, wives, you know, it's, it's whoever they have contact with, you know, if their wife goes to the grocery store, then it's any of those people that could have been there. It's the same thing with the athletic training staff. It's the same thing with the equipment staff. So now it's a point of where do you draw the line? Because in, in this reality now you have to say all right coach well we're bringing everybody back we don't want the players to be at risk so either you can't be around your family the whole time we're playing like this whole football season you just have to say bye to your family hole up in a hotel room or an apartment somewhere where it's just you you can't see anybody so we can protect these kids or you have to say okay well you can bring your family along that's perfectly fine but your family can't have outside contact either like you would have to draw the line somewhere to truly protect these guys because now you get one person who had contact with somebody from the outside that had the virus and now everybody gets it. Literally everybody gets it because football by nature, the locker room's tight. It is literally a contact sport. The meeting rooms are tight. Like everything about it is close quarters. There's not an efficient way to distance while preparing to play a football game. So I think Gene brings up a lot of great points. I have a ton of respect for him already, but just to kind of, you know, silence that conversation about having just student athletes out there. I think was really powerful, like you said,
2: yeah, I think it's easy to just say, "Oh, well, you know, we can test all these guys, um that's that they'll they'll stay within that group, but like you mentioned, I mean, bringing up all those other additions, and it it's not it's easier said than done, um and I know it's easier. To say, hey, let's just let them play in an empty stadium. We don't have to worry about all the fans and how we, you know, check everybody there. But there's still a lot that goes into college football and the, you know, the strings that attach to all of the players and, like you said, the staff members. So I I just think there's a lot more planning that will have to be done. There's going to have to be a really good plan set in place um, if this is even going to happen. So we'll have to see about that. Well, with No NBA, NHL, or MLB. You might be thinking there's nothing to bet on, but you'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner, Bet Online, still has hundreds of events, games, and props to wager on. So from their online casino to poker and blackjack, uh, they're bringing Vegas to you. So if you're missing the NFL, no problem. BetOnline has live daily Madden NFL 20 simulations you can bet on. You can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, even Nathan's hot dog eating contest. So Open 24 hours a day, again, all online. Use promo code BLUEWIRE to join and receive your welcome bonus today. online, your online waging solution. So you brought this up to me, and you sent me an article uh, yesterday, I believe it was. And we're talking about how things might be pushing back now. We don't know if there's going to be the um, start of the college football season like it usually is at the very end of August. So now there is some talk of college taking on some of the NFL concepts of OTAs and mini camps. And I'm going to let you further explain this to our listeners, and then we'll chat about it.
1: Yep. So um, basically, the conversation now has evolved into if we can safely get folks back on campus, um, how can we fast track? the preparation phase into the college football season. So we can try to recuperate as much time as possible. And one of the suggestions that had popped up in those conversations was an OTA style or mini camp style preparation phase. And what that would look like would vary in some of the models. Now, one thing they talked about was having, um, you know, maybe 11 guys in at a time. So you can get like a, a full offensive set working together but not, you know, the full team together at once and just do multiple sessions like that a day. And those sessions would be comprised of practices, wearing helmets, you know, maybe just shorts and T-shirts, walk-through type situations. And then I'm sure they would want to be able to get, uh, like the NFL does with mini camps, uh, three days where they could get some padded practices in. So they'd be able to wear pads in the morning session, go back, watch the tape from that, go outside, have a walk-through in the afternoon and then send the guys home. And I think if they think they can get guys back on campus safely and they anticipate obviously having a college football season, they want to start it in with some respect to the amount of time that they've lost. I think this is a great system because a, a lot of teams lost out on spring ball and I think that'll be one thing they address is how much certain teams can do cuz You know, Ohio State had three practices, but Clemson had 11. So, you know, Clemson has the advantage right now. They have to find a way to equalize that. But overall, I think the preparation would be in the weight room as it always is. But they need to get guys on the field. They need to get guys playing ball because they haven't done that yet. Um, They have to get their bodies accustomed to that before playing a full season. But I I do appreciate the creativity of some of the uh, college football minds now. And trying to find a way to prepare their teams and make sure all the guys can go out there safely in terms of their physical bodies and making sure they're in shape and ready to play football. Because this is nothing anybody could have predicted. And um, it's it's hard making these adjustments on the fly. But I think if, like I said, um, you know, they feel like they can get things under control, this is a great idea.
2: Yeah, no, it's a really good idea. And you, we have to get them back on the field some point, right? right. And. That the problem is, is we're already feeling like we're up to the the deadline of like, okay, we're now having to really start to think like we've got to push things back, so back a little. But they're still going to want to maybe start the um, season on time, and so you you cannot forget that these guys are, you know, they're athletes. They need some time to kind of get into it, um, in an organized way, because Joshua, I have been hearing that some of these, you got to think these are players from all over the country, different economic situations. Not a lot of them have access to equipment. Um, I've been hearing that, you know, they've been using like gallons of, of water and this and that, and just doing anything they can to stay in shape, but these are all their own ways of doing it. Right. I mean, you don't really have an organized thing going on. So you like injuries are really a concern in my opinion. um, If you don't come back with something like this to, you know, even if it's quick, quickly kind of easing your way into the start of the season um, that that injuries could be a huge factor for these guys.
1: Yeah. we, we talked about just how, tough it was going to be for some of these cats to work out um, with just the lack of equipment there. But we also, I want to kind of circle back on this because this was something we had talked about with the uh, nutrition aspect of the workouts. I got some intel on that Yep. where I asked the question, you know, what happens to the guys that were on meal plans um, on campus, you know, do, do they get their meal plan, are they trying to provide these guys food? And the answer is yes. Um, within all of the rules of the NCAA, uh, guys who were on meal plans got refunds essentially for what was left on their meal plan and they were able to take that in cash uh, to buy yeah. food while they were at home. And then the programs are allowed to send guys different snacks and, and, and you know enhancements to their meal plans as if they were on campus so they can maintain their weight um, and, and have food to eat. Now, the guys who were on scholarship in living off campus and getting a a stipend uh, for their off campus expenses. Um, They're continuing to get that money. They just got a budget with it, which is, you know, real life. I'm glad those guys have that opportunity, but kind of back on the workout thing, just strictly the workouts, Alabama was using the Apple watches to track workouts. That became an issue. And the issue wasn't the fact that they got the Apple watches because you would figure something of value, a wearable like that. And I just bought one. I bought the, uh, the third generation Apple watch they're on generation five. Now I bought mine with GPS, no LTE and the thing was still like 300 bucks. I know the new ones are like $500 and I'm sure that's what they got. The guys, you know, that's, that's a lot of money to spend. That wasn't the issue. The issue is that um, these coaches are not supposed to be monitoring workouts at this point. um, Because when the NCAA sent, you know, said we're not doing spring ball and they sent everybody home. One of the things they said was since these guys are not on campus, You cannot monitor what they're doing in terms of their workouts. So, I mean, there are so many different issues and getting guys back and trying to figure. And Alabama was trying to be on, you know, the offensive when it comes to making sure that they can monitor their guys' health and the workload and and where these guys might be coming back, so they could tailor what the workout plan should be to prepare for the season. But most all of the universities are going to be going into this blind too, which is going to be another big issue. Is Guys are going to be at different preparation levels. Guys are going to be at different strength levels. And so they're they're going to be making a, a plan for 100 guys that are in 100 different places and hoping that they can get everybody up to the same place by the time the season starts. That's a challenge, too.
2: Oh, my God. It's a huge challenge. I mean, most of the things that we're talking about is just like really having to have different plans um for different scenarios. And I mean I don't envy everybody that's in charge of doing this. I mean this is a this is this is tough when you really start to break it down and you're thinking about how to do it the right way. Um, A lot of it's just trial and error too um and just hoping that it works out. I, I talked with had a conversation um with Vanderbilt's new offensive coordinator Todd Fitch earlier this week and he was talking about, he's new. So this is his first year with Vanderbilt and he's been all over the country. He's been in like a coach in some capacity for 30 plus years. And he was saying, you know, they had about four days of spring practice Mm -hmm. before this whole COVID thing hit. And so ever since then, they've been doing everything obviously virtually. And, you know, if if you don't know about vandy let's just say their football is is not something we usually talk about um it's never usually a subject because they struggle in the sec Um, they just don't put a lot of money into their program but so they're they've got this offense and he's bringing in this new offensive scheme he's got four brand new quarterbacks two juco transfers and two true freshmen so he is trying to literally bring in a new offensive scheme with new quarterbacks, um, all virtually and really has had no contact with them, um, face to face much. And so he was just talking about how challenging it is right now, you know, over computers and doing zoom and stuff, um, learning all this stuff as a coach. That's a little bit older that that isn't familiar as much with all this technology, but he just said the main thing that he's focused on right now is he just wants open Line of communication with mm-hmm. his players. So he's just like every day, we just make sure that we're speaking with our players and making sure that mentally um, and physically, you know, if they have an issue, they can come right to us and just discuss what that is. Um, but he's like, that's the the one way we we can, you know, make sure that our players are doing okay. It's. And I just thought it was it was a smart point to make, just because he's a coach and they're making sure first and foremost, that the safety of their players, even right now, is a main priority. Um, and you just have to do it by keeping an open line of communication, you know?
1: As you already said, so that's job number one. I, 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 This is something I didn't really think about, but you have to feel awful for a coach in that position. You're new to yeah. your school, so you're, you're still getting to know your guys and you're still earning their trust. and You're still developing relationships. All of you guys are young. All your guys are new to the system. So, like you said, Vanderbilt's not necessarily a place that's going to have the best players either. No. They're going to struggle this year. If if football is played, it's going to be bad.
2: That's what I'm saying. You
1: know, like any school that has a a new quarterback or they're planning on starting a freshman quarterback or um, they have a new offensive system, like, good luck, honestly. Mm -hmm. That is – that's rough. (laughs) Yeah. I've been through – Those changes in system and the biggest thing is the spring ball and getting the reps and all the meeting time. And then in the summer, if you have a a core of guys that are leaders the way you think they are, they're gonna be in in the coach's office over the summer, you know. Hey coach, what about this? And show me this and show me that. You know, coach isn't calling the meetings because he can't do that, but the players are popping in and saying, Coach, coach me, you know, you don't have that opportunity right now. And it's hard to ask questions virtually. Um, like everything is
0: crazy period.
2: Yeah. I mean, but that, that's the point you make. There is going to be an un, I mean, everybody's at an unfair disadvantage right now with just what's going on, but some programs have more in terms of what they have returning, right? More so of a core of players and coaches. And then there's these teams that have changed up things last season and now they're going to be at a very unfair advantage just because, you know, <clears throat> it's more so of a new, fresh start for some of these teams. So it, it's going to be a really interesting time when football does resume or does start, if it does start on time. It's going to be crazy to see like some of these teams and just how bad they might struggle just because of the preparation aspect. So it'll be interesting. It Let's just be. say that. <laughs> speaking, speaking of interesting, so. I am not big on this. I have like seen stuff on social media, but that's about all. Um, other than that, I'm not super familiar with the whole TikTok phenomenon right now during quarantine. I guess people that they're just like really, really bored. And so they've decided to get on TikTok and put together um, what I'm going to let you explain because I don't know much about TikTok. But I know one thing it drives you absolutely up the wall, but with just a certain age range, right? Yep.
1: Yep. So let me try to say this as insightfully as possible. TikTok is a stupid app um, that was created for for kids, essentially. And what you do on there is you make videos, um, you know, you can dub sound into your videos, you can kind of like Seamlessly start and stop the video, and like do different. Like you know, people do all kinds of stuff. There are dance challenges on there. um People do outfit changes. People, you know, they'll quote movies and TV shows with like the actual audio on there, and they'll just lip sync it. Like there's a whole bunch of stuff you can do on TikTok. And TikTok is, is literally an app. It's like any other social media. So there's like the app that you download and you make the videos on there. Um, it curates the content for you on your timeline. The whole deal. I remember back when I was in high school, we had Vine. That was like the cool way to make videos, six second clips, whatever. Right. So what I'm saying is TikTok is a stupid app for kids. So when you're in middle school and high school, you can use TikTok. TikTok even when you're in college, go ahead and do it because you're still a kid in my mind. The day yeah. you graduate from your undergrad, not, you know, some people take seven, eight years in college. It's not an excuse. The day... You graduate from your undergrad, it's the day you're done with TikTok. I'm tired of seeing people in their mid-20s, their 30s, and their 40s syndicating these dumb videos on their Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. I'm tired of seeing it. So I put Let out a tweet know. the other day. I've had
2: absolutely, all
1: I can have. So I put out a tweet the other day, I said TikTok is making this quarantine worse than it needs to be. I don't know who needs to hear this, but your videos are corny. They're lame. You're not going viral. Just hang it up, please. So got about 162 retweets from some bold souls. Thank you, because I had uh, almost a 1,000 likes on it, but people, you know, they were, they were a little apprehensive to hit that retweet because they didn't want to offend anybody. I don't give a damn. So uh, essentially, I had a lot of people who were upset. They were like, yeah. you know, this is quarantine and people are trying to keep their sanity and they're just trying to have fun. This, that, and the third, and hey, if you don't like the videos, don't watch them, and if you don't like TikTok, delete the app. Well, let me let me say this to you. Kids, like I said, no problem with it. Adults, you can TikTok. I, you know what? I can't control what you do, but this is what I would like for you to do, is if you have a TikTok as an adult and you make these videos, keep it on your TikTok. Do not syndicate it to your other social media sites. I don't need to see it on my Twitter timeline. Like I said, your video's corny, it's lame, you suck, you're not going viral, don't do that. I don't need to see it on my Instagram. I, I, you know, I, I'm tired of watching 40 year olds dancing. I'm, I'm tired of seeing it, you know, right? I'm, I'm, I'm tired of watching 30 something year olds doing the whatever makeup challenge and all this other dumb stuff. You know, I, I'm really tired of seeing it get a life. Stop making these videos. I'm, I'm, it's terrible. So I feel like an old man get off my lawn the whole deal, but I was pissed. Like, there is, no, there is no good reason why somebody in our age group needs to be sharing these videos with the world. Make them for yourself. Put them on your little TikTok and be on with your day, period.
2: Right. And see, you're saying, what Joshua is saying, if you're taking this the wrong way, is he is just saying, if you want to make them, that's your business, whatever. But do it for your own entertainment. Don't do it because you try to, you know, you're trying to flood all of our timelines with what you think will put you on another level of going viral. Um, Because I know that's just what everybody is loving to do right now. Because there's nothing else to do. People are like, oh, well, maybe I'll go viral because I put this, you know, TikTok video together. And I think it's genius. And everybody else is like, I don't really want to see this. No. Um, Everybody
1: everybody said when when they found out we were in this thing for the long haul, they said, you know what, let me just try to get Twitter, Instagram famous while I'm locked up in quarantine. I know. And you know what? It's not happening folks. It's just not, you you don't have it. You don't have the juice. You're, you're not that entertaining. You ain't funny. It's just not going to happen for you.
2: Have you come across any that you like?
1: Um, there was, there was one that was hilarious because it was, these folks were doing this challenge. They were dancing. And at the end of the video, the two little kids started fighting. So it was great. And then there was one other one that spoke to my soul because the guy went and like, he was taking the trash out and he put it in the trash can outside. And as soon as he put the trash in the deal, he sprinted to the front door. And I feel like all of us have done that a time or two in our lives. So that was genuine good content. And then the third one that was good spoke to me because it was making fun of people who are doing these dance challenges to try to go viral where the guy like messed up the dance steps and he was like hey man we're never gonna go by if you keep messing it up and i started dying <laughs> laughing i'm like you're telling the truth so it was great
2: i love it see yeah people just you know it's it's over like we don't need to see any more of these i agree with joshua every time i look on any social media of mine there's some sort of a TikTok that pops up i even had some people that um were friends of mine that had even asked the question on they were like on instagram doing it and they were like should or shouldn't i make a tiktok video (sighs) if you're having to ask the question you probably know the answer just don't do it no just why are you asking the question like what in the world so anyway that was josh instead of joshua's questions this week i thought we'd give joshua some time to rant because you know, anything I see that pops up on this timeline, it usually is a chain reaction. And um, people do chime in and it, and it lasts for about a few or four days.
1: Yeah, no, we, uh, we, we get that thing going. Um, and there, there was one other one too, and this is gonna be quick. Uh, BTN had us curate some content about some of our oh, yeah, favorite I things to that. do under quarantine. Yeah. There was a conversation, I never knew this conversation existed between whether the, the bean bag toss game where you try to toss it and drop it into the hole is called Cornhole, which we call it here, or Bags.
2: Bags?
1: Bags. And, and I don't know exactly. There was some simple soul who just, like, they had to come up with the, the easiest, most simple name ever for a game, and they just called it Bags. But um, everybody in the green room who mentioned Cornhole called it by the name Bags. Um, I was the only one who actually said Cornhole. So uh, we took it to Twitter. Obviously, Twitter agreed with me. ESPN agreed with me. So I was right. Yeah. But, yeah, that's something I knew I learned. It's not called cornhole everywhere.
2: Okay. First of all, bags. Bags. Like, when I think of bags, I think of the one thing that nobody wants as they get older under their eyes. Right. Like, just the name of bags makes me cringe. Exactly. Um. It's so first of all, they, these are your colleagues? Yes. I am sorry. I know. that you're working with colleagues that call it bags.
1: Well, I was outnumbered. Nobody else calls it cornhole. Apparently, over at BTN, everybody calls Where it bags. Where are they all
2: from? Where are uh, they all from? It might
1: be a Chicago thing.
2: It honestly. might be a Chicago thing. Okay, okay.
0: But that right. blew my mind.
2: That's insane. I'm glad you brought that up because I did keep seeing things pop up on your timeline about cornhole too. So I was wondering. I was curious as to what that was.
1: It's a hell of a time to be alive
2: isn't it? Well, I am. Um, let's see real quickly before I go. I f- started a new series on Netflix called Money Heist. And it's interesting because it's, it's like a Netflix series and it's in Spain. So it's really good. And I've heard other people that really like it too. The only thing that drives me crazy with some of these Netflix shows is if it is taking place in another country it's clearly like in that language but they do it in English so that we can you know watch it in English but the lips are all off oh boy so it just it you have to like get used to it and usually I'll I turn that off right away because it drives me nuts but this is it's really good so I can't like I'm continuing to watch it, but I'm having to like adapt to the lip motion. So I'm kind of just finding myself in a trance when I'm watching this and trying to forget about the fact that the lips aren't exactly in sync. I don't know if that ever drives you crazy, but um, it's just one of those things that you'll take on right now because you're in quarantine and there's not much to do. So I'm Dealing with the lip sync issue.
1: That is uh, a a first world problem. Um, And I've realized how many of those I have in my life. Like my life is honestly, I know there are a lot of people struggling out here, so I don't want to sound like I'm throwing that up in anybody's face, but like my life honestly isn't that hard at any stage. Um, And I I realize how many of those like mild inconveniences exist. Like that absolutely is one of those where I would be so annoyed watching the show. And And the show is good. Like, I've heard the same thing, so I'd be even more annoyed. Like, why did this show actually have to be good and keep me roped in? My my one first world problem from this week was I fell asleep watching Chef, and who um, just keeps on playing the episodes? Like, they will just keep going and going oh, and going. Yeah. Like, you'll yeah. wake up and you'll be on a completely different season, like new characters and everything. <laughs> but the point where I woke up to turn off the TV was in the finale episode. So I saw one of the Are contestants that made it to the finale and I still have like four episodes to go before that. I was so pissed. No. Uh, I was yeah. tight. I was tight.
2: Oh, sweet. Yeah. This, these are the things. And, and again, people, we are not trying to downplay anybody who is dealing with um, crap in their life right now. Because in, in some way we all are. But this, again, we like to just be a podcast that gives you information, but also lets you just uh, indulge in, in some of the stupid things sometimes. And just, you know.
1: Yeah. have a chance to
2: laugh at us they're so, indulging <laughs> exactly we certainly are um real quick about master i just want to ask you because you've brought it up two times so are you like aspiring to be a chef on the side
1: um yeah, yeah actually it's it's
2: I, i'm serious like yeah. i feel like this is a serious thing for you joshua and we yeah. might have to talk about it on the next episode of what's been the best dish you've made in quarantine
1: have you seen my instagram stories with some of my food
2: yeah. That's why I'm like curious. Yeah. And I, I do want to save this for next week. Cause I yeah. think we're going to, we're going to end our show next week with, um, what's Joshua cooking.
1: Okay. Yeah, no, um, we'll <laughs> save it for next week, but I am, I'm, I'm getting my cooking chops up.
2: I'm excited for this. Now I'm like going to be asking you for some recipes next week.
1: Hey, Go ahead and do it.
2: Awesome. Well, that will do it for this episode of Press Pass. And remember, we all have time on our hands, so you can always go and subscribe at Press Pass Pod um, on Instagram. Go and follow us at that. You could subscribe on iTunes. Just click the subscribe button and give us a rate and review. I am at Kayla Anderson TV on both Instagram and Twitter. And if you'd like to follow Joshua for cook- cooking tips or anything in terms of a good debate, where do they go, my friend?
1: They can follow me at RIP underscore JEP. That is Twitter and Instagram. Um, Tune into my Twitter account. I've got some pretty cool stuff coming out uh, to support the Mid-Ohio Food Bank um, here in conjunction with 11 Warriors. Um, So be on the lookout for that. We'd love to get some participation there. We'll have some raffle, um, some auction items, that kind of stuff. So be on the lookout, please.
2: That's awesome. Definitely will follow that you guys all out there this week stay safe. Let's do our part so that we can get this thing over with and get back to some normalcy sometime soon. Uh, Have a good one, guys.